what it is world it's the god brief you are not tapped into the top pick podcast where the real is heard and we cover topics of all sorts with all sports first episode i'm excited can't wait to get down to the nitty gritty we got good conversation and good topics going on first thing i want to start off with is the nil and i want to give a shout out to college uh all around the NCAA, every single uh, conference president and coach, whoever had a, a input on voting for this. This is a big thing. I'm glad that the kids finally get a chance to do their thing. I think they should have been profiting off name, image, and likeness because how are you supposed to breed pro players if the young players are the ones that you're seeking for your franchise? Makes sense? I agree. So... That said, I think that's a big thing that that they did for them, especially uh, now that we're able to do that. They should be all saying sorry to the Fat Five, just my opinion, because that's what these boys were doing in the 90s. My OGs, my favorite players, you know, that was a big thing for me growing up. We all wanted to be like Fat Five. Everybody made a big profit off Fat Five. That's who they wanted on their TVs during them games. First freshman team that led, what, uh, five freshmen was the first to lead their team to the national championship back-to-back. Like, that was crazy. Weber took all that heat for just trying to get by, trying to make something happen because he was a big deal. He was the number one player. He was the number one pick. Come on, he was the top recruit. That was a big thing. Like, they should really be – it should be more than just war manual – uh, saying sorry publicly, and he was apologizing to the 18 year old Chris Weber. You know what I mean? Like, my man just got in the Hall of Fame. This dude, like, they still couldn't stop what he was gonna become. So, they need to give that man a public apology as a whole entity. The NCAA should do that as a whole. That's how I feel. Moving on, we, we need to talk about something that was major in the college football world. Something that has never been done. Something that took too freaking long. Like, when the hell is this game going to be over with? That's what, <laughs> that's what we all tried to figure out watching this game. Nine overtimes, people. Nine. Illinois and Penn State. Penn State. Somebody I was really worried about looking like they could possibly be a playoff team. Somebody who can sweep the the rest of the Big Ten East with uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. They look like they were going to do some damage. Nah, that wasn't the plan. Illinois, nine overtimes. It took 60 minutes of regulation. Two normal overtime periods. Seven exchanges of two-point conversion attempts. And that's all just for Illinois to notch 20 to 18 win. Big time upset. Big time upset. Somebody I was also looking at in that game, uh, Josh Dotson, a wide receiver that I think could probably be a more explosive Golden Tate in the pros. Somebody that I was hoping Detroit can look at in later rounds. Yes, I am a homer. I love all of my Michigan sports teams. I, I'm a diehard fan. I'm going to take it to the grave with me. Judge your mama. That's how I look at that. But this game right here was something incredible, something that we probably won't see again. This was just two teams 
two kid uh two uh two organizations with with kids on both sides in the trenches offense and defense didn't want to lose the game i think that was major major for uh younger athletes out there to see because they won't give up in nothing like that you know whether or not you got to put it all on the field no none of the distractions to matter outside noise anything like that you know coaches <laughs> leaving and leaving on a bad note translation ed orgeron no longer with lsu people are wondering what the hell happened with that i can uh kind of give you a, a, a outlook on the whole thing basically they were trying to say eddie o was a pimp you feel me? They said he was out there letting his personal life bleed over into his coaching life. There's so many crazy accusations and and stupid rumors going on. We don't know if it's true or not. Some of his team came to the defense, some of his defensive players, uh, offensive players. They basically were saying that there were uh, multiple situations where he had girlfriends that would be in attendance and, and at practice, and they would interfere to the degree that the children of the women taking part in drills with the team, trying to make them feel like future Tigers. Now, I, I, yeah, I see everybody. I, I, I can feel everybody's face turning crazy, turning an eyebrow on that. That's, that's, that's a wild accusation. Like, coaches are never safe in these type of situations. Look at Urban Meyer, what he got going on trying to win the locker room back in Jacksonville. What just happened with John Gruden? All those racial tropes and homophobic slurs and those emails, and that's not even the half of it. He probably was the scapegoat. We never know because the Shield is so, so quiet and calculated with how they pick and choose how to prosecute people. I always thought it was BS. They'll show Kareem Hunt. They'll show Ray Rice, you know, videos, doing some things they shouldn't have been doing. But we know it's thousands of more emails that they doing everything in their power to not slip out into the masses. That's my issue with that. And I feel like they should do better with, hell, pointing the finger at everybody. Why not? I don't think... You know, some don't get good slack. Uh, some get a pat on the back and keep it moving. Some have to do the walk of shame, a la Gruden. But for Coach O, I think it was just – it ran his course. You know, he he did everything he could. He, he tried to keep up with the savings. You know, he tried to uh, keep up with the Lincoln Rileys of the uh, college football world, you know, um, the SEC got stronger. That's a, that's a fact. I mean, and some of the powerhouses are not what they used to be. Take it, uh, Alabama losing a couple weeks ago to the Aggies. But Saban bounced back, two-game winning streak, dominating. Bryce Young had a hell of a game. That was a that was a good game. He he controlled the ball. 
371 yards, two touchdowns. You know, Cedric Tillman was all over the field catching the ball. That's how you bounce back. You know, with Coach O, they they had a few good games, but it was just like they never got that thunder that Joe Burrow gave them before they left. And in this business, it's all about wins. If you're not winning, doesn't and you're in a, in a seat of a prestigious school, you're not gonna do your job. Take for it. I'm I'm glad that my Wolverines are seven and zero, but we all know if they was two and four right now this year, like they were last year, Harbaugh be out the door. They already reconstructured his contract, and he's already pretty much working for pennies. But you got to do your job. And you can't let your outside life get the best of you on that. You know, you can't do that. Moving on to that, I have a few uh, topics I want to get into. One of the things I want to talk about is <sighs> Kyrie, the state of the Brooklyn Nets organization, this one and two start they own. It's not looking good for them. It's not looking good at all. They they had a meltdown against the Hornets, which no knock to them. They on a hot start, three and zero. Miles Bridges, shout out to Flint, Michigan's own Miles Bridges, right there. Two back to back thirty uh, point games. This one he uh thirty two points, nine rebounds, and he was dominant. He worked on his outside shot a lot more. He's showing he can do more than just drive to the basket. It's all about improving. I love what he's done. We are looking at a shell of, 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 of James Harden right now. A shell. James Harden is not who he used to be. At least not this year. You did all of that yelling, all of that complaining. You know, coming to practice heavy. You know, being out at the strip club, at the little turkey leg hut, all the little places he liked to go. And it's always showing him eating. You can't be doing 6 of 16, 2 for 8 from the three-point line, and then you got eight turnovers to go with eight assists. That's not good. You left out of Houston to be the point guard that's supposed to make people forget about the mess that they're in with Kyrie Irving in this franchise right now. You're supposed to be, ah, we don't need him at the point. We can make this happen. Put the young boy Cam Thomas in. Let him get a little shot. Let him get his feet wet some more. Because you're not getting the same Harden that you got when he was in the MVP caliber mode. He's still trying to fight that weight off. Had a bad hamstring that he played all the way through the playoffs with. I'm surprised he didn't tear his leg off. He's not what he used to be, people. Y'all got to wake up and understand that. This is not the same Harden that we're seeing. My opinion, <laughs> let him go back to the two. Playoff ball, let Cam be the dominant one. Or put Patty Mills in the lineup. You got to switch it up or do something. I do like what I see with Aldridge coming off the bench, working him back in a little bit more. KD, I mean, <laughs> his games is now being overshadowed by almost doesn't count. 17 to 24, balanced game, did all he can. Nobody's plus minus was good on the team. The only one that had the highest plus minus was Paul Millsap, which had a non-existent game in itself. You know, 
Kyrie, in this situation, I was against the people that were saying it's affecting the team, but I truly believe it's affecting the team. What they're going through right now is like we're trying to prove that we can win without them, and KD is back doing them, put the team on me. But let's just be real. Where have any team really gone when he put the team on him? He don't got Curry and Clay no more. He don't got Russ and Serge and Steven and um, Perk when they all went to the finals. Nick Collins. Those veterans around him that just say, do your thing, we'll hold you down. You know, Blake Griffin is no more. Bruce Brown, we seen what he did in Detroit. He can only help when he can. They don't really have the pieces to contend. They have the pieces to shoot, but they don't have the pieces to defend. Harden just started improving his defense. And it's then he's more an off-ball stealer or off-ball defender, however you want to put it. You know, Kyrie having an opinion of his own to not take the vaccine is another thing that I respect. But at the same time, you got to figure out a way to find a medium with the business. You still want to hoop. They want you to play. But when they see the moves you make, it switches the narrative around and it makes people think that you're not doing this for yourself or what you stand for. You're truly doing this because you can and you trying to buy time to figure things out. I'm not siding with Stephen A. I'm not siding with Perk. I'm not siding with Uncle Shay. I'm siding with you stand for what you believe in. But if this is what you're doing, make sure you're doing it for the right thing. I feel like he is. Nobody in their right mind is about to turn down $17 million. But at the same time, if you don't know what you're putting in your body and you still want to kind of get educated on that more, I respect that. One black man to another, we just aren't gullible when it comes to shit we don't know. That's just the simple basis of it. To be able to Look yourself in the mirror every day and say, am I doing this right? As long as you're convincing yourself that you're doing it for something, eventually people will respect that. I'm not saying that this kid is Muhammad Ali, but Ali lost the belt and his boxing license and served time because he didn't want to fight in the war. That's not as dynamic as what uh, Kyrie is doing. I mean, what Ky- excuse me, what Kyrie is doing is not as dynamic. Let's just let's let's make that clear. I don't don't look at me, don't attack me, don't think I'm saying that he's holding any type of candle to the greatest. Not at all. I give that to Colin. Colin literally blackballed himself and was proud of it. And look what's going on to this day. Are we going to see that type of impact from Kyrie? Maybe, maybe not. 
but the Nets are trying to uh, the Nets are trying to convince us that uh, the course of the Brooklyn Nets have enough uh, to win, and the course is a straight line back to the Eastern Conference Finals. We don't know if that can happen. The league is now spread it out with big threes. Chicago's big three, three and zero right now, dangerous. They are not playing. Big and physical in all five positions. Lonzo, 6'8". You know, Levine, 6'7". Dermar, 6'7". You know, Prince Williams, what, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, six, and then you got Vucevic. These boys are dangerous. They already had the physicality. They already had good uh, perimeter defenders, but now you got people like Dermar and Lonzo who are great perimeter defenders. Levine's shot got better. Ball shot got better. Dermar is skillful in the paint. Great post up, great fadeaway. But they all run in transition. You know, Vooch got that uh, outside shot. Now you can stretch from the four and the five. Let Young Prince bang down low. He got the body for it. You know what I mean? Three and oh, and they showing it, dominating. Boston, trying to figure themselves out. You know? And Jalen Brown is back from injury, but he, he got to get his, get get his feet back together. He got to get himself back together. New York possibly creating their own big three. They got the veteran Rose coming off the bench. You got Kimba. You got most improved player uh, and, and Randall. And then you have R.J. Barrett. Possible big three. They was the fourth seed. They looking to come back. The league to me is wide open. We know who's coming out the East. That's the Bucks. We know who's gonna dominate through the season. That's teams like Utah, teams like the Nuggets. You gotta look out for Miami. They're forming their own big three. You know, Kyle, Jimmy, and Bam. League is wide open. So it's a lot of work going into this. It's a lot of work. But you can't let outside interferences move things around. You can't, you can't do that. There's a quote by Kevin Durant saying, while we are playing the game, I am not going to sit there and say, when we get down, or is it a tight game like, damn, we don't have enough. Durant said, we are not going to be thinking about that during the game. We definitely want Kyrie out here on the floor. He is a huge part of what we do. But it is not happening right now, so we got to figure it out. I agree. Because one and two is not enough for a team for the next, what, two, three years is considered a title contender. That's not going to work at all. Same thing going on in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons. <laughs> he wants out. If you're coming to practice, showing no interest, don't want to be a part of the huddle, yeah, it's going to get frustrating. I, you know, Doc got frustrated. They suspended him one game. He's still not feeling it. He's basically letting them know that his mental is not in it. He's not prepared to play because he's not mentally prepared. He's, he, he's not focused. He's not there. He met with the Sixers on Friday and informed the team that he, he's just not <laughs> mentally ready to play up to his expectations 
And in turn, he needs time to step away. And that was a report that that was all around by uh, Woj that put that in perspective that is is the excuse is going to pile up. Is there a medium? Is there a suitor? We know he was linked in talks with DeAndre Russell in Minnesota. He was in talks with Detroit and talks with a few other people. Truthfully, no one really wants him. Who are, who, who's going to be in the right mind to take him knowing that his value was down? And we're not talking about value as in the type of person he is or the type of player. We know what he can do. Defense is crazy. One of the best point forwards in the game. Great, great eye, great vision. Dominant when he can go to the basket. Lost confidence in his jump shot somehow. Tons of videos going viral of him shooting the lights out of YMCA players and rec hall kids who just happy to even check up on them so they can put it in a tweet. Yeah, I deed up uh, Ben Simmons. We know all them shots is good out there. But when the lights is on, you fall out the picture. But you you gotta you gotta you either pay that man or send him on his way. More you're not gonna get the type of value that you want. You're looking at three first round picks and some major key pieces. That's kind of greedy for somebody that the whole league is watching cry and have hissy fits. And this is not where it started. They got documentaries, they got evaluations with him coming out of college about him always wanting things to revolve around him and put him in a position to do better and him in a position to take control and lead, well, it just sounds like somebody selfish to me. What are we going to do about that? Send him on his way for a second-round pick and a future protected. That's what I do. I wouldn't even care no more. That boy want to be gone that bad. You good with the people you have. Maxie stepping up. Seth Curry is, like, playing the best basketball of his life, and we know what Tobias and JoJo can do. You got a, you got a team. He dropped the ball when he was he, – he, let's be real. Maury dropped the ball with that uh, James Harden trade last year. He was supposed to get him then. And you got to look at other players on the market, other point guards. John Wall, he wants out. I would say Philly go grab John Wall. Let him be a distributor. Let him play good defense. And he got a nice, reliable jump shot he can knock down. It's all about putting things in perspective. It's all about making it count. You got players that have a passion for this game that's continuously like just crazy work ethic, nonstop, 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 nonstop. But the only thing about that is they're not they're not spread it out or bred it on uh every team. For instance, that wouldn't have happened if he was on LA. Brian would have made sure he got up out of there. That wouldn't happen in my Milwaukee. It would it definitely wouldn't happen in Miami, you see what Jimmy did? Jimmy got up out of there. Jimmy saw, Jimmy saw the red flags and, and, and dipped up out of there with no problem and made it to the finals before the team that he was supposed to carry to the finals hint, Philly, and it didn't work. 
moving on to that topic, though, because I could get into that all day. You know, and I know y'all feel me on that. But I want to get into some baseball. I am a baseball fan. I love my hometown Tigers. Shout out to the Detroit Tigers. We are going to get there. But Houston Astros, Houston. Houston is a team that I kept saying for the past few years, they're going to keep finding a way to get here no matter what. You know, (laughs) through all the cheating speculations and allegations and that huge scandal. And I know y'all know about the scandal for those who do love baseball. Houston had that scandal where they were accused of illegally creating a system that decoded and communicated opposing team pitching signs during the championship season. That was a crazy, crazy moment in baseball where the scandal isn't about performance enhancing drugs or uh, Mark McGuire and Jose and Sammy and all of them juicing up. No, it was like Spygate with the New England Patriots creating ways to read pitching. You got to really, really be keen to knowing the signs to be able to decipher what type of pitch is going to be thrown to get that pennant. But this year was a different story. They are in the series because they deserve it. They bought out this year. They won the AOS with a record, 95-67. You know, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, and Lance McCutler, them boys were balling. Luis Garcia, they got a great rotation. They beat the Sox in the best of five in the division series, and then they shockingly beat another team who was red hot, and that was Boston. There, man, I, I actually had the Red Sox going all the way just by the way they played this year. It was crazy. And they beat them in the best of seven in the ALCS. Now, this is where I like it. This is where it gets excited. There's always an underdog story. Oh, my God. There's always a situation where you feel like every team that, that you pick is just a team before the season starts. You know, you know, you got the little Cinderella stories, the dark horse teams. Well, I honestly can um, admit I wasn't expecting the Atlanta Braves to go. I wasn't expecting that at all. But, you know, 88 and 73, they seem like a decent playoff team. Um <laughs> I didn't think that they was going to have a chance to go all the way. But Ronald Okuna, he tore his ACL in July. Uh, That was another uh, slow hit on them. But, you know, the Brewers was a 95-win team. They were one of my other teams that said, if they continue to go on the winning streak that they went on and continue playing the way they played, I think they were going to do damage. They beat them. Then they beat the defending World Series champs in the Dodgers. So I'm looking for that game to be special because this is the Braves' first World Series since 1995. The game's going to be 
uh, set for Tuesday, October 26th. And game two is on Wednesday, both in Houston. Games three and four are set for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that's all going to be in Atlanta. And six and seven, if needed, is going to take place back in Houston again. I will be there, tuned in all the way, because I think I want to see this happen for Atlanta. I want to see it happen. You know, um, the city needs something big. I know they was let down with the Super Bowl when they blew a 21-3 lead. Go Pats. Well, actually, go Brady. Always with my Michigan people. I think that was a big major move for them. They need to sink their name into their legacy and make things happen right here. Like, speaking of legacy, um, I'm excited about next week. I got a lot of Michigan State Spartan fans that I'm cool with, I grew up with. They talking a lot of trash right now. They watching how we play. We watching how they play. This is the great divide, biggest thing ever in the city of uh, Flint and in the city of Lansing, Detroit, Ann Arbor, all around. Uh, State of Michigan, period. This is like our Super Bowl with those two favorite teams. Uh, My team, Michigan Wolverines, big, big things this year. Came and did a 360 from that – COVID season that everybody want to call it going two and four most disappointing season ever. I was uh, disappointed in that. I didn't like that at all. I felt like a lot of them gave up. It was so many points on the board. The defense ran us over. I'm glad we did not play Ohio State that year. Not saying I'm all I'm spooked to play them. I hope to play them because I love that game. Just glad that they overlooked that last year. But this year, big things. Top rushing offense in the Big Ten. Corn fourth uh, in the nation in all-purpose yards with 160 a game. He's 19th in rushing with 104. Him and Hassan Haskins tied 10th in the nation in touchdowns. Haskins, 34th in the nation in rushing yards. But that boy, Kenneth Walker, sheesh. That's who we got to (laughs) contain. And it just... We don't even got to stack the box. We just got to set the edge. I mean, but he's north, south, east, west. He's whatever type of runner you want him to be. And he's improving in the passing game. That's scary. Walker is second in the nation in rushing yards, 997. And then he's 18th in touchdowns. He's a beast. We have to find a way to destroy them in the trenches. But we got to be able to pass. Michigan State. Defense, they ranking, has nothing to do with how they are live action. 89th in total yards, that don't matter. They're 19th in scoring. They're 31st against the rush. They can penetrate the line and get inside those gaps. That's what we don't need. We need to protect the gaps. We need to seal the gaps, and we need to make sure that we continue to run like we do, but we have to set up the pass because they are 121st in the passing game. We got to set the edge, and we have to throw it deep. No more dink and dunks. Kate was 20 for 27 uh, yesterday, and or Saturday, excuse me. He, he was 20 for 27, but his shots down the field, he was off target. Terrible ball placement. We got to do better than that. 
this game will be won in the trenches, and I'm excited about that. Peyton Thorne, he got 1,701 yards with 15 touchdowns and four interceptions. And Kay McNamara has 1,115 yards, but he only has five touchdowns and one pick. He's taking care of the ball pretty good. Taking care of the ball pretty good. Kenneth Walker, we got we to gotta dominate. He got 338 consecutive games without dropping a fumble. That's 2019. That's ridiculous. The boy ready to eat. He ready to run. And we got to make sure that our corners is paying attention to Jaden Reed's tape. Cornelius Johnson has to wake up on the outside and have another game that he had in Rutgers and so on. We have to dominate. We can't just go into Lansing thinking we're going to get the Paul Bunyan back. We have to completely dominate. I got big faith in my boys. I want to get into some NFL scores. Uh, Big time games. Big-time disappointments. First disappointment I want to talk about, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what's going on with him and Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy. I don't know what they're doing on that offense. The offense has not been what we saw last year or the year before when they won the Super Bowl. I, I am completely disappointed in how they playing. This is not what I expected. I mean, you let Ryan Tannehill have an efficient game. And they beat the pants off the Chiefs without Derrick Henry doing much. He had a passing touchdown in there. But I want to get over into Patrick Mahomes' stats. He was he was 20-35, 206 yards. He got sacked four times. He had a quarterback rating of 62, and he threw an interception. true he got knocked out the game he did get hit in the head but this is not it's not just this game it's it's the whole season he got eight interceptions on the season I you look at the games before like he he had two picks against the uh chargers he had back-to-back games with two picks and two touchdowns against washington and buffalo he escaped out of Washington. He escaped out of Philly. He just, you know, it's not what I'm used to. You know, they switched the offensive line around. They did lose Fisher. They did lose some, some key pieces on the offensive line. But you still got Tyreek Hill. You still got Darrell Williams. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he, he's not there. You still got Travis Kelsey, who... Still consistent, seven catches, 65 yards. McCole Harmon. You know, you got players who can play. I just – I don't understand what's going on. And then the defense, Chris Jones is not playing. Frank Clark is not looking like himself. But you you got Honey Badger. Those guys got to step up. I don't understand how they just – it's not the Chiefs team I re- I remember seeing the high-powered offense. This offense was blowing people out the water. And now <laughs> you look at them, they they three and four. And you got teams like Titans, teams like Buffalo. Browns are over 500. Uh, Saints are doing good post-Drew uh, Brees. Got to give props to Jameis Winston. Got to give props to Jameis Winston. I'm, Looking forward to that game. 
against the Seahawks Monday to uh, Monday night football. And I'm looking forward to finally seeing Alvin Kamara kind of wake up in that game. Seahawks running defense, passing defense, very vulnerable. Um, I'm looking to see what the Saints defense can do to rattle Geno Smith-Cage. Russell Wilson is still out with the injured finger. He got a few more weeks. They're looking at week 10 with the possibility of week 7 or 8 getting into throwing and kind of getting him back out there a little earlier. Broncos, 3-4, and not in a bad position. They had a few opportunities to win the game. Jerry Judy is still out on IR with the uh, sprained ankle. Looking to see what uh, he can do in the next week or two. They're saying he's already progressing. He might be running full routes by next week. Discount double check in the Packers. I don't ever say his name. I'm a Lions fan. I can't say his name. We all know he's a bad man. We know what he's going to do. We know he might uh, get him another MVP this year. They on a six-game winning streak, which is crazy. They got destroyed in week one, and they came back. Rodgers, 27-35, three touchdowns. Just He's a beast. Taylor Haneke, he had 10 carries for 95 yards, and he had one in the air. I think he did pretty good. Had an 86 quarterback rating. You know, both teams got out to the quarterback. Three sacks on Rodgers, four on Heineke. That's another game where Washington football team is kind of showing that they kind of improved a little bit under Ron Rivera. Surprising team uh, in, in my mind is the Atlanta Falcons, three and two. That boy Kyle Pitts, most tight end, most uh, yards through six games for a tight end, dominating. Had his second 100-yard game with seven catches, 163 yards. I want to get into him being one of my top picks uh, for the Lions. I was thinking if they didn't go defense or offensive line, everyone was saying running back within uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. I wanted Kyle Pitts. It's not often you got a, a tight end, 6'6", 240-something pounds, runs a 4'4", jumps out the gym, strong, he can block. Not perfect in it, but he can definitely improve in the blocking. That was somebody I wanted to get. Patriots dominated the Jets like they normally do within the past 20 years with terrific Tom Brady, but this time they got rookie Mac Jones at the helm. He had a hell of a game. 307 yards, two touchdowns. Damian Harris, 14 yards, 106, two on the ground. Brandon Bowling, 79 yards, one in the air. It's a two-headed monster in that running back position. Panthers, who normally I would say was the best defense in the league through the first seven games, showed that they can they couldn't get it together on the Giants, who was <laughs> Really, in, in, in running to be a top three pick in the NFL draft coming up. Lions and the Rams, Stafford, redemption. That's another topic I want to get on. Matthew Stafford and his resurgence. Balling out of control. Doing some things that us Lions fans 
seen uh, for the past 12 years, but everybody else, because our team is so created and nobody respects us, not even the referees. They're all finally seeing what we saw Stafford do for 12 years, and that's throw the ball. Do we still have problems looking off receivers? Of course. But he's gotten better because he has now more pieces on a chessboard. He can move and do whatever he wants. 334 yards will prove that with three touchdowns. Now, I want to get on his stats this year. He has 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, already going over 2,000 yards. He balling. Got to give him his respect. I do want to see him go far. I'm not going to knock it. I got a bunch of people in, in my Lions groups that I'm a part of on Facebook who they tired of hearing about the Stafford back and forth drama with fans who can't get over him and fans who was quick to disown him. I'm going to give him his props. He did his thing, man. There's nothing I can, uh, I can say about that. I can't hate on that. I will say this. Them boys in Detroit, they fought their ass off. They did everything they wanted to do. Only sucking thing about it, it's another loss. Did I think we had the possibility to win the game? We did until Goff did what Goff does, blow another game. But I have to convince myself that he's just a bridge quarterback. He's a bridge quarterback. It's not the quarterback that we see for the near future. No, we got two first-round picks coming up. I'm looking at Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. If he can continue to play the way he play, keep the Bearcats at number two, unless number one loses. This Georgia got a tough schedule coming up ahead. It's possible they drop the ball. But if Des- Desmond Ritter keeps that up and they get in the playoffs, and he can beat one of these dominant Power 5 teams, Detroit has to draft him. That's going to raise his stock up because I don't have any doubts that he's going to blow the charts off uh, a lot of these evaluators for the combine. 6'4". Got legs, got a cannon. I like Traylon Burks also. It's a late uh, first round, early second round pick. I also like Aiden Hutchinson is one of the top picks. And... Desmond Ritter, late first, middle first. Depends on where we go. If we have to trade back to get him, that's fine. Also, like Lewis Sign, the safety out of Georgia. Those are some people that I'm trying to give you guys an idea of where I think the Lions should go with their picks. That is something that you need to look further into. Our needs are definitely defensive end, linebacker, safety, wide receiver, quarterback, and probably an, another defensive back. <laughs> we we hurting all over. We got some young dogs that's out there scrapping, but we got a lot of injuries. We have the most players on injury reserve this year, but it doesn't matter. Even if they were there, the games would still be close. Nobody is really blowing us out the water. We just can't get out of our own way with these mistakes turnovers at the turnovers 
back converted plays. Don't need to go for it that much neither. I want to say this before I close. I enjoyed being able to shed some light on y'all and talk about sports how I want to talk about sports. Get on certain topics. Have a point of view. Not judge so much. And enjoy life. This the first episode. It's only going to get better from here. It's only going to get righteous from here. We got a lot to uncover. We got a lot to talk about. Y'all got to feel me on the way there. Y'all got to ride with me on the way there. It's only going to get better, dog. Y'all better believe that. This is the guy brief from the Top Pick Podcast. Signing off. Much love to you and yours. Peace.